Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK and with me... As always, my ever-faithful sidekick, John the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, Craig? Doing great. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Today we're covering Itchy and Scratchy the Movie. This is one of my favorite episodes. I'm not even going to lie. I love this episode. It is a really solid episode that when I was a kid, I saw from Bart's point of view, and I was like, man, this is lame. He doesn't ever get to see his movie. Spoiler. Well, but, but, no, that's actually not a spoiler because I'm lying, or am I? Uh, but uh, <laughs> but nowadays I see it more from Homer's point of view. No, I Maybe still see Marge. it from Bart's point of view. I'm s- oh god, I love Bart in this episode. He's rotten as hell. He really is. So Sean, when did this episode first air? November third, nineteen ninety two, on yeah. a Tuesday. Yeah. So before I give the explanation for the episode, why is that? Because Fox was afraid that there was nothing on TV this night because it was the 1992 election. So Fox wanted to air an episode of The Simpsons. Oh. What Fox didn't realize was that the Simpsons fan base skews more liberal and was watching the election of Bill Clinton very, very closely. This episode has some of the lowest ratings of any episode in the season. Really? That's Now that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Uh, So yeah, in this Halcyon episode, Bart is excited for a new movie to come out, but must deal with the fallout of his immature ways when he gets in trouble and Homer forbids him from seeing the film. So Sean, what did we have uh, going on in the, uh, the world at this time? So I like to point out that you don't watch a lot of movies. That's kind of my shtick on here. Yeah, you, you focus more on things that I don't know anything about. So a little movie came out. Yeah. Right around the same time. And it was a political movie to kind of tie into the election. Oh, yeah? On November 4th, Tim Robbins directed and starred in the movie Bob Roberts. Sideshow Bob Roberts? That episode is based on the movie. (laughs) Because Bob Roberts is about basically a right-wing political candidate who's kind of a dummy but kind of down to earth Mm -hmm. and gets elected as president. Interesting. Huh. I mean, I don't know that I consider Sideshow Bob down to earth, but... Oh, he's totally down to earth. (laughs) But yeah, anytime there's something Sideshow Bob related and I can try to bring it up, I'm going to just to get you to Watch more movies? (laughs) Well, mission accomplished because now I should see it. Uh, So, Sean, as far as my news, you already know the answer. Yeah, I spoiled your news, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah, you really did. This is election day. Bill Clinton defeated George Bush Sr., uh, as far as electoral uh, college votes go, he won 370 to 168. Uh, Clinton had the popular vote as well. Uh, though, don't forget that nearly 20% of uh, the people voted for Ross Perot. Yeah, this was a huge year for Ross Perot. Good good on Ross Perot, who never became president. Yeah, Ross Perot was actually one of the f- factors that caused George Bush Sr. to lose the election. 
also uh, uh, the people that were interested in Ross Perot split from like the Republican side exactly. of things. Oh, yeah, the Republican Party blamed Ross Perot for years for this election. Actually, <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> oh. So let's dive into the episode, Sean. Uh, so right off the bat, we get to see a, a commercial on TV. And it's sort of a little bit of uh, uh, foreshadowing here because it's a movie commercial for Star Trek 12. So very tired. I love this gag. I love Star Trek. I'm kind of a giant nerd for those who haven't figured out because I co-host a Simpsons podcast. Honestly, and I guess people could imagine because it's the GameZilla Media Network and, you know, we, we focus on a bunch of nerdy things. But there's quite a few uh, fans of Star Trek in our uh, community here. Uh, I know LPJ and Sphinx are big into Star Trek. Uh, probably a few more that I can't think of off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, so so this is them making fun of the original cast. It's, you know, like, you know, Shatner, he's like, again with the Klingons, you know. You have uh, uh, Scotty, who's like, you know, I cannot reach the control panel. And he's, like, flailing his arms because his gut's hitting the panel and he can't reach it. Uh, you know, it's just making fun of, you know, the Star Trek cast. But uh, Grandpa thinks movies are a ripoff. So I might be a little mistaken, but I oh, yeah? believe Star Trek Into Darkness, the reboot series is actually the 12th Star Trek movie. You know, I was almost going to ask you, uh, but I didn't think that you'd be so insane as to know that off the top of your head. I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's the 12th because I remember seeing jokes about it when either that or Beyond came out. I think it was Into the Darkness. Okay. So very tired. Uh, but yeah, Grandpa thinks movies are a ripoff, setting up the stage that, you know, the, the a big part of the premise of this episode is going to be about a movie. And then he immediately passes out. And he's not a great babysitter. He's the best babysitter. I wanted a babysitter like this. I mean, don't be wrong. Yeah, that's what I would have wanted too. You so, know, but yeah. gonna, gonna throw somebody under the bus. Mm -hmm. My cousin Darcy. <laughs> yeah, I love her to death. But man, did she piss me off when I was about probably 90, 93, 93 or ninety four. Okay, so a few years after this episode aired. Uh, why is that? Kirby's Adventure had just came out. I rented uh -huh. it for the weekend, yeah. and she wouldn't let me play video games when she babysat me all Friday night. So it just sat there next to my NES. Man, uh, shout out to Darcy. Uh, I hope you're a better babysitter these days. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking cold. Because you sucked. <laughs> I just wanted to play Kirby. That's all I wanted to do. And she's like, no, go play outside. Outside? Darcy, come on. There are, there are, There's Kirby. There's child predators outside, Darcy. Did you want Sean to get taken by a boogeyman? Well, my parents ever said if a strange man offered me a ride, I should take it. <laughs> So, uh, Marge comes out dressing pretty nice. Bart kind of like awkwardly is like, hubba hubba, you kid. And she's like, thank you, dear. And very offhandedly, like she's used to him being like a, a weirdo that like quotes old timey stuff. And uh, uh, we find out that it's parent teacher night. Uh, you know, uh, Lisa's probably fairly confident. Bart, probably not so much. But uh, uh, Mar uh, Marge and... Uh, Homer, after a discussion about, you know, picking up dinner on their way home, head on out, and, you know, Bart and Lisa and Maggie are left with Grandpa, who's already passed out. Uh, and in the car, though, we find out that Homer, you know, this time wants to, you know, go to Lisa's teacher, Miss Hoover. But that's the way they always do it, Craig. You know what? Fine. I... Uh, 
I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a number one to a hundred. If you get it, you get to have Hoover. Is it thirty-seven? Don't I mean no, <laughs> Homer. <laughs> so I love that exchange. Yeah, that's great. I I love that she immediately gets it right. That's just so good. Uh, and so you know, as soon as she she concedes and Homer can have you know Hoover and and you know talking about Lisa, he starts like blaring the horn. He's like USA, USA, yes, which so is kind of weird, right? Weird thing about that. Whenever Homer honks the horn, his lights go on. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I never really put two and two together that he must also be flipping the lights back and forth. Or his car is just that broken down <laughs> that when you hit the horn, the lights turn on no matter what it's like. It just, the horn uses too much power. <laughs> it just sucks it out of the lights. And so we get to the school and there's a big banner that says, like, let's share the blame. And for some reason, we have this kind of weird scene where it's Willie and his, like, you know, uh, kilt. And he's just miserable. And he's like, ugh. But why? That has to be animation from a different episode. I Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because it just, I don't really know what the relevance is there. You know, I mean, don't be wrong. Maybe he's dressed nice for the occasion like all the parents are. But he's the janitor. He's the groundskeeper. Why does he have to be there for parent-teacher night? Maybe he's just, well, he lives there. I guess. So maybe Skinner was just like, dress up nice. Hold on. He lives there in fan fiction seasons. He has an apartment in the the earlier seasons. Because remember there was the rat, or the rat that like uh, drowned in the pool or whatever? Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I don't know why, why he would be here. Uh... However, in Lisa's classroom, uh, you found something that I didn't even notice. Yeah, I noticed this right away, and it really, really irked me. So I started looking all over the series. Yeah, so in the classroom, we see a bunch of random parents. Homer, of course, is there, and Janie's mom is there. It's a woman who looks very, very reminiscent of Janie. Can't miss her. Chief Wiggum's there. there. Chief Wiggum's there. He's in the back. Is Wiggum in the back? I believe Wiggum's in the back. Okay, because he should be there. I don't remember seeing him. I... which I guess if he wasn't there, it would just be that, you know, he had police work or whatever. But but who else is there? Martin Prince's dad is in Lisa's class. So Martin has a sibling? Or that his dad is just ducking out of Martin's thing because he doesn't want to hear the bullshit that Kerbopol has to spout off about Martin. I, I mean, it's one I mean, or the other, I, I would guess. do that if I was Martin's dad. I would hide <laughs> in another classroom and be like, hey, because it kind of gives Homer like a, yeah, we're sneaking out of this. <laughs> So, yeah, we have, uh, for some reason, Mr. Prince is there. And I like that Homer, like, you know, does the armpit fart noises. And, like, Hoover turns around and, you know, clearly tells it's him. It really lets you know who uh, Bart took after. Oh, yeah. And not Lisa. Well, that and um, a sociopath, as we're going to find out. Well, it's funny you say that. So... While Marge is dealing with Krabappel, we find uh, a list of things. Do you have that list or you want me to? I do. So, yeah, what what else, what else on the desk and she pulls out? So, I have the list of things that she accuses Bart of. I don't have the things on her desk. Oh, I, I have the, the stuff. So, it's a, she grabs out a bone club. Uh, there's a chain on the desk, a skull, a slingshot, and then the crusty doll knife? Yeah, with a freaking Bowie knife inside of it? Yeah, that's scary. So, Bart's been guilty all of the following atrocities. Mm-hmm. He synthesized a laxative from peas and carrots. Honestly, I'm just impressed he did it. He replaced her birth control pills with Tic Tacs. Ugh. 
That's uh, so. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Tic Tacs are mints that were introduced in 1968. They're in little plastic, uh, uh, little containers with like a little tiny flip top. And if you eat five containers of them, you'll get diarrhea. Really? Yeah, there's warnings that you're not supposed to eat more than five containers, and I always thought that was really funny that it's <laughs> five, containers, five of containers of Tic Tacs. I mean, don't I mean, be wrong. When I was a kid, I came close to probably downing an orange one on my own, but like, it was one. I mean, I could do an entire thing of wintergreen ones. I like the wintergreen ones pretty well. Nowadays, I prefer the wintergreen and the mint ones, but when I was a kid, I really liked the orange ones. Now I feel like I'm putting mints in my mouth to make my breath feel better, not for the flavor. And so it's kind of weird to be like, oh, the refreshing orangeness of these mints is really making me appealing to the opposite gender. Oh, I just take them for the nice, fine flavor. Tic Tacs taste pretty good. They're, they're not a bad mint. I love mints. I, I can eat mints all the time. Yeah, that, yeah, no. I, I constantly have meats and uh, meats, <laughs> mints in my car. Constantly have meats in my car. <laughs> I just keep meats in my car, you know. There's a steak back there. Rancid. Uh, so, uh, Marge, though, feels like Bart doesn't mean to be bad. And then we immediately flash over to the home, and uh, Bart says, now's our chance to be bad. <laughs> That's such a great line from Bart. <laughs> he just cackles so menacingly. So, uh, over in Hoover's classroom, though, uh, Homer's, uh, uh, you know, kind of bragging up a bit because, like, Hoover's like, you know, oh, she's so, Lisa's so smart. You must have read to her from a young age. And Homer's like, I did. I did read to her. And we cut to the past. It's Homer reading, which uh, is, uh, uh, should be pretty accurate because Lisa would have been uh, uh, just being born when they were in that house. Yeah, so Lisa would have been two in 82. Okay, yeah, that seems about right. That seems then. about right. And uh, so they're reading. Does it? Hmm? Does it seem about right? Let's see what he's reading. Well, yeah, so he's reading a TV guide, and uh, it doesn't have a year on it, but it does show Mr. T. Uh, so I guess when did the A-Team come out? I guess that's the the ultimate question there. Uh Oh, which, by the way, the TV Guide is a bi-weekly magazine that's had its first issue in 1953, and it's still going today. Yeah, it's still in newspapers today. That's crazy to me. So A-Team didn't come out until 1983, so that kind of syncs up with Lisa's age. She's, okay, she's yeah. about one years old. Yeah, so that's, that's about right. And uh, uh, <laughs> Homer is reading to uh, Lisa the description of uh, Happy Days episode. He's like, the Fonz is worried about losing his cool. Happy Days ran from January 15th, 1974 to September 24th, 1984. This is checking out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Happy Days was, was, I mean, that was a huge sitcom back, back in that time. Uh, I mean, even arguably today, I think people, you know, older people still look fondly on it. It's never my thing, but, you know. It's where one of pop culture's greatest terms came from, jumping the shark. Oh, right, because there's an episode where the Fonz, in order to drum up ratings, they had him jump a tank of sharks. Wasn't that what it was? He jumped a shark at the beach. Oh, okay. It was, I knew it was something like that. So uh, uh, Homer you know, says that he, he always believed in the three R's. Reading TV Guide... Writing to TV Guide and renewing TV Guide. 
That works. Those are three R's. So, um, Krabappel tells Marge over in their classroom uh, that, you know, it's a little unorthodox, but she wants to call in some witnesses. And then she calls in Arthur, who points on a doll where Bart stuck fireworks. A doll that looks remarkably like Arthur. Yeah, but you know what the weirdest and most insane thing about all this is? Bart stuck fireworks on some kid in some weird spot? No. The the use of the plural. Witnesses. We don't see the other witnesses and what Bart did to them. But it, presumably there's at least one more than Arthur, and I'm going to guess there's maybe a few more than Arthur. Where did he put the fireworks? Oh, we know where he put the fireworks, Sean. I can think of two spots he might have put the fireworks, Craig. I'm going to guess but. I was going to guess but. Yeah. I don't want to think of sticking it up anywhere else. Pop. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Poor, poor Arthur. <laughs> yeah, seriously. There's no wonder he's just has such a depressed look on his face when he walks in. Man, you'd think that Arthur's parents would have been yelling at Marge, too. Huh. Yeah, you're surprised she didn't hear about this before parent-teacher night? Yeah, that's that just seems like that's a bad job on the part of the school. Uh, over at home, though, we have uh, Bart, who, who s- says some limerick like... Uh, uh, I have it. Oh, yeah, by all means. Over the lips and past the gum, look out dentures, here I come. <laughs> Gross. He pulls out his grandfather's dentures, puts them in his own mouth to make super teeth. And he starts going... Arr! I would have done that. Uh, I would have done that as a kid. I, I, that's just gross. I... But uh, back at uh, uh, school, in Hoover's classroom, we have uh, Homer, who is awarded an honor roll bumper sticker. You know, you've seen him, the, the cheesy, my kid is an honor st- on the honor roll at whatever elementary. I My mom, when we were driving when we were kids, she would always make fun of those vehicles. She'd just be like, you know there's a bunch of wieners in that car, right? <laughs> uh, I think she was saying that to make me feel better because I was never on the honor roll, though. <clears throat> really? Hmm? You were never on the honor roll? No, I don't think so. Uh, I'm. Uh, you know what? I think there probably were a few years I could have been, but my mom never went to parent-teacher night to, you know, get the... Oh, so here's a question. Uh, did your mom or dad go to parent-teacher night? Yeah, my mom was on the PTA, so she always went to parent-teacher oh, night. Oh, my mom... Uh, she was there when the PTA disbanded. I... <laughs> uh, Oh no, the PTA is not disbanded. I <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom uh, really disliked all that stuff. She she you know that, like well, your mom just disliked you. That's the story. <laughs> probably that's what all our listeners didn't know. Your mom didn't <laughs> care about you, Craig. That's probably true. But she also didn't like all that PTA stuff because uh, she didn't do that for my sister either. Uh, yeah, after uh, uh, I think fifth grade. Maybe sixth grade, at least it cut off at elementary school. My mom was like, do I ever have to do this again? And I was like, well, no, if you don't want to, I guess you don't have to. And she's like, wonderful. And she never, ever did it for me ever again. And maybe if your mom came when we were in seventh grade, we would have been saved from an evil teacher. Which, if you listeners are curious about that, listen to our old Smartline episode. Oh, yeah, where we talk about uh, teachers. That was a good one. Uh, I don't remember what month that was in. You're just, oh, you're going to have to listen to them all. Join uh, our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash gamesillamedia. Join for $5 and get all our bonus episodes because, oh, God, they're so good. 
<laughs> Man, maybe we should have talked about the teacher one this time around. Ah, whatever. Yeah. So I think we talked about the teacher one when we had substitute teachers for um It was yeah, the the Mr. Bergstrom episode, uh, Lisa Substitute. Yeah. Which yeah, that was more fitting. Uh but Homer gets this bumper sticker and uh he finally has found a replacement for the Where's the Beef bumper sticker he has. <laughs> where's the beef? So I'm an old man, and I know what where's the beef is, but what is where's the beef for our younger listeners? Yeah, so that is a Wendy's ad from 1984 is when it first began. And it didn't last super long, but the thing is, is it became such a phenomenon to like the zeitgeist of, of you know, American culture and stuff, to the point where uh, I think in 1984, Five, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. Uh, Gary Hart and Walter Mondale had a uh, debate. And uh, uh, they didn't end up uh, winning because it ended up going to like Reagan or whatever it was. But this was for the Democratic primary. Uh, or, yeah, the Democratic part. Or, uh, yeah, Democratic primary. Yeah, that's right. I think so. Uh, 1984 primaries for the Democratic Party. You were correct. Yeah. And so I... I Walter Mondale, uh, like, was hearing Gary Hart's, you know, plans. He always had all these grand schemes and stuff. But, you know, they sounded grand, but there wasn't a lot to the backbone of his plans. It was just a lot of fluff. And so he asked him in one of his, uh, in their debates, where's the beef in regards to this, this, you know, plan of his? And people ate it up. Which will get referenced in Lisa's first words. Yes, it will. You're right. Uh, Mondale to Hart, where's the beef? Yep. I, uh, but I, I always thought that was a, just a zany joke, but no, that's an actual news article. Yeah, that is. It absolutely is. Uh, and then Homer has to take off the desk, which is like just like on top of him because he's so big, he like you know can't get into the children's desks. Which that's fair. I don't think I could get into a children's desk these days. I wouldn't think. I could probably. Yeah, you might be able to pull it off. I like to hide in small places. It's. That because you're so used to being beaten as a child. Anyway, so uh, back at home, we have Lisa putting out a record. And uh, kudos to anyone who immediately knows this song. I actually had to look it up because I I know it, you know, because it's stuck in my head because it's so catchy. Uh, but uh, uh, the song that plays is known as Saber Dance from Aram uh, well, let's see if I can pronounce this last name. We believe, I believe he's Armenian. Uh, Kachaturian? Kachaturian? Uh, Aram Kachaturian's ballet, Guyane, uh, from 1942, which I think I stumbled onto a Gundam reference, Sean. Guyane. G-A-Y-A-N-E. It's a song called Saber Dance, and the Gundam Guyan, G-Y-A-N, in it, the original it, you, Gundam. uses a rapier. And yeah. It, it has a fencing I'm, style. I'm pretty sure I found a Gundam reference. Hell yeah. We're talking about Gundam. This is the new Gundam podcast. <laughs> Here's UC79. Let's talk about it. Let's drop a colony on somebody. Hell yes. <laughs> Zigzion. Zigzion. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and Bart, as he's like clenched his teeth on the fan and the music's going and it's, it's you know, it's the, you know, just like crazy music. He goes flying off. Uh, Homer walks in on Marge and she's much like Bart has to writing on the chalkboard. I will try to raise a better child. And I like that uh, when she's like, is this, I don't understand how this is going to help Bart. Kerbobble's like, just, just do, do it. it. <laughs> Homer comes in and Marge is busted. 
And Marge is saying that, you know, to Homer that there's a big problem. We have a huge problem here. Lisa turned out great. And you know what? He's not going to stand by <laughs> Lisa matching. <laughs> and then she goes, no, Bart. And he's like, oh, right. That guy. <laughs> Just so dismissive and offhand. And so Krabappel tells them, like, hey, you need to, you know, give him some discipline. And Marge explains that, you know, they try, but sometimes he, there's, he somehow he has this, like, weaselly way of, like, working it back to the point where, like, they feel like they have reprimanded him when really they haven't. He's the boy you love to hate. <laughs> so Krabappel says that, you know, with enough discipline, he could become chief justice of the Supreme Court. And, you know, Homer at that point gives us what might just be. This is clearly like this had to be a joke from like Conan O'Brien, who just thought this was too funny because this joke is the most intellectual Homer might ever be counting the time when he had the vocabulary tapes. He says what great men he would join. John Marshall, Charles Evan Hughes, Warren Berger, mm, Berger, which I was uh, was always under the impression that these were current chief justices of the Supreme Court. They are not. Ooh. They are not by any stretch of the imagination. John Marshall was a justice from 1801 to 1835. Uh, weird, weird little note on him. He was against slavery, but owned slaves. Yeah. Yeah, he, it was uh, honestly, it's almost fascinating just how weird his story is because he was like against slavery. He wanted essentially to send uh, all the blacks back to Africa. Not necessarily, I think, in like a racist way, like we want to get rid of them, but like, you know, they deserve to be back home kind of way. But what's really weird is that he also didn't want to release them because he feared that they would rise up and, you know. That was a common fear that people had. Well, you know, I mean, I would probably want to rise up, too, if I was enslaved. But no matter. Uh, Charles Evan Hughes uh, was from uh, uh, justice from 1930 to 1941. Uh, he was a blend of conservative and liberal. And uh, Warren Berger was uh, from 1969 to 1986. He helped found the Supreme Court Historical Society. Uh, and I, from what I've heard, uh, these three are hailed as some of the more, you know, well-known and famous uh, chief justices of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court Historical Society sounds like the most boring thing I have ever heard in my life. I almost fell asleep at that description right there. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if someone's yeah. like, let's go to the Supreme Court Historical <sighs> Yeah, that sounds pretty boring. When they ask what, you know, would happen if they don't discipline him, Krabappel says that there's no telling how low he'll go. And I feel like, you know what, if Bart was taking a little better care of himself, then that's a lot of judgment on the sex industry. Because we see Bart as a stripper come out, uh, known as Bang Bang Bart. So I did a little bit of history on that one for you. Mm-hmm. So I could not find any strippers named Bang Bang Bart before the <sighs> Simpsons episode. However... I did find strippers named Bang Bang Bart currently. Oh. In Tampa Bay, Florida, there's a Bang Bang Bart who will come do parties. The, you know what? Shout out to Bang Bang Bart because, uh, you know what? A lot of people look down on the, the you know, 
I, I call it the sex industry, but I suppose strippers aren't necessarily having sex for money. No, they're essentially dancers. Yeah, they. I suppose they can if they want. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's uh, good. Good on Big Big Bart. I would hire Bang Bang Bart just based on the fact that he's got a Simpsons <laughs> reference. So let, let's go into scumbag territory You're for a quick fat. second. Just more me to love, honey. Have you, ever, have you ever hired a stripper? I have gone to a strip club uh, for a bachelor party. So I have hired a stripper for someone I didn't like in high school's graduation party. And I had them show up at a graduation party. Really? <laughs> yeah, me and a couple people put some money together and we hired a stripper to go there. And apparently his grandmother loved it. That's hilarious. And kind of twisted. But even if they got kicked out, I suppose that, you know, I mean, you paid them. I paid them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they get kicked out or whatever, at that point, it's like, oh, hey, I got money for nothing. Exactly. I'd get paid to not work. That'd be great. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty nice. Disney, give me money. Yeah, yeah, we we could work for... Do we have to work for Disney? They own The Simpsons. They got a... Craig, they've got deep freaking pockets. Yeah, but, I mean, they're selling your soul, and then they're selling your soul. If I've been friends with you for years, and I haven't been afraid of selling my soul, I'm not afraid of selling my soul. Okay, fair enough. We'll talk about it later. So, uh, back at home, Bart is biting through vinyl records with his super teeth, and then when he hears the car pull up, he accidentally spits the teeth across the room, they hit the edge of the fireplace, and they shatter. So as he runs to the junk drawer to grab tape, we see the feet of Marge and and Homer walking up to the house. And we find that Homer's pants suddenly become blue. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And then go back to gray. Yeah. Uh, And so he jams the taped up teeth into Grandpa's face, who wakes up with a start. And Bart grabs the nearest book he can, a Bible, and he's holding it upside down. The Bible? Ew. And as soon as they come in and they say they're home and they got pizza, Grandpa's like, blah, 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 blah. and it's like, you better start making sense. And he's like, or we'll put you, or we'll, or we'll put you in a home. And he pulls out the TV. He's like, you already put me in a home. And he's like, well, we'll put you in that crooked home we saw in sixty minutes. I'll be good. That was almost my quote. That, that was is, almost my. That quote. is a phenomenal line. I I tell my mother. That all the time. I say, you better you better do what I say or I'm going to put you in a home. And she tells me, you already said you're putting me in a home. I said, well, I'll put you in that crooked home I saw in 60 minutes. Which, by the way, 60 Minutes is a, uh, I, I believe it's the longest running new show ever that debuted in uh, 1968. It predates the moon landing faking. You mean moon landing. Yeah, when they fake the moon landing. You mean the regular boot? You know what? We're not getting into this. Uh, and, uh, you know, so uh, Grandpa explains to, to Marge and, you know, uh, uh, Homer that, you know, look what your bad egg of a kid did to my teeth. And Homer immediately is like, oh, blah, 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 like totally blows it off. Like the nurses are stealing my money. This thing on my neck's getting bigger. And so Marge gets mad, tells Homer that he needs to, you know, do something. And he's like, well, look at that hangdog expression. He learned his lesson. Let's buy him a present. (laughs) Marge pleads with Homer not to make her the bad guy again. And uh, Homer has made a decision. Just, you know, so because, you know, Bart broke Grandpa's teeth, Grandpa now gets to break Bart's teeth. Oh, boy, this is going to be sweet. 
Marge immediately kiboshes that plan. And, uh, uh, you know, they send Bart to bed hungry. Bart's kind of overconfident, though. He's like, oh, I'll be eating this pizza in like five minutes. And, uh, you know, they get pretty mad and send him up stairs where he tries looking through his room for food he looks at his dog like it's a pizza and bart starts to think maybe i gotta be good like maybe i've had it too good for too long and then homer breaks down homer goes in and gives him pizza and he's like you gotta promise to be good and bart has learned no lesson yeah he even calls homer a sucker he does and over at the retirement home, we see that uh, Grandpa's trying to lift Jasper's teeth, and he's like, well, well, if it isn't the tooth fairy, as he pulls a pistol on him. Why does Jasper have a gun in a nursing home? Because his family didn't take it away before they put him in there. They probably should have. <clears throat> so we next see that uh, we have... Uh, uh, Lisa's watching TV, I do believe. She is. And it says, coming for Xmas? Yeah, but it's Christmas. nice outside. Yeah, and also, the movie clearly doesn't air on Christmas, because, you know, they, they have school, like, the next day, and, and well, I, I guess you could technically have school after the day after Christmas. Well, no, because you'd have winter break. Yeah, you'd be in winter break. So, it must just be coming for the Christmas season? Well, that's typically what coming for Christmas means for movies. Oh, okay. Literally anywhere between January or December 14th and December 25th is considered coming for Christmas. I gotcha, I gotcha. The Disney, back to Disney bias, um, mm -hmm. their Star Wars movies have all been labeled as coming for Christmas when they come out in December. Oh, okay, I gotcha. And uh, in the kitchen, we see uh, Bart is enacting a really great moment. Uh, he has a James Bond action figure in the microwave, and he's like, stick around, Mr. Bond. Things are really starting to cook as he hits the cook button on the microwave, and he starts melting, and he laughs maniacally, which is a reference to, uh, of course, James Bond, but also uh, as he's stroking Snowball 2, uh, it's a reference to Ernst Stavro Blofeld, the, the primary antagonist of the original Bond movies and also the newest batch of Bond movies, technically. Yeah. Uh, Back when he was played by Donald Pleasance. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, cause, yeah, that was the, the original uh, uh, yeah, guy who played him, right? Yeah, he's also Dr. Loomis in the Halloween movies. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the doctor who's trying to stop Michael Myers. He pops in for quite a few of those Halloween movies, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in one, two, four, five, six. Four, wow. five, six, yeah. So he just misses one and he's in, wow, a whole well, bunch Three of doesn't take place with Michael Myers. Three is oh, Season of the right. Witch. Which That's is Which is right. an amazing horror movie that just shouldn't be Halloween, but it should. They should have went with the idea for season. Where's Robbie when I need him? God, I need a horror movie. <laughs> I'm just getting distracted. So I... Uh, we find out that an itchy and scratchy movie is coming out with 53% new footage. And uh, when Homer comes in, he's like, Bart, did you take out the trash? Indeed I did. And we cut inside the uh, the kitchen with Homer and goats are all over the place <laughs> eating their garbage. And uh, I love when animals break into the Simmons house. <laughs> Goat hisses at him for some reason. Bart is going to be punished by Homer. 
or he's about to until Bart is like, well, you could sit around all day, you know, you know, trying to make sure I, I, you know, complete my punishment or whatever. Or you could watch like hilarious Mexican sitcoms. And he puts on uh, the first appearance of the Bumblebee Man. Yeah. Who says something of the effect of Oi no me stomino, I believe. Something of the ate too much ice cream, so stomach hurts. Yes. And, uh, you know, we have uh, uh, our, our, you know, Homer is like, run along, you little scamp, and, and Bart leaves. So Bumblebee Man is one of the weirdest Simpsons characters. Yeah, I would say so. Do you know anything about why Bumblebee Man exists? Honestly, I'm not really that familiar. I, I mean, like, there's always gags in, in, you know, 90s TV about, like, Mexican sitcoms. But I don't really, I mean, I never saw any on, on our channels. But then again, you know, maybe this is because, you know, they were doing Simpsons in, like, Southern California. And it was more likely that you would get, you know, Hispanic TV. So the story behind Bumblebee Man, which I have on here. Yeah. Is there was a Mexican show called El Chapulin. Okay. El Chapulin Colorado. And basically, think the tick. Okay. For those who don't know, he's a superhero who wears a costume at all times. And he's like, it's a comedy kind of. It's comedy kind of down to earth. And Matt Groening saw it and he didn't understand any of it because he doesn't speak Spanish. Uh huh. And he's like, why is no one drawing attention to this guy in this weird, like, cockroach costume? Oh, which really it's just like he's this down to earth superhero. This is just his daily life, but he's still in costume the whole time kind of thing. Okay, I gotcha. And that's the inspiration for Bumblebee Man. It's just absurd that it's this guy in a Bumblebee outfit for the sake of absurdity in this case. Yeah, essentially. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, So the billboard for Itchy and Scratchy, uh, the movie goes up and it's like I uh, uh, I think it's what itchy is stabbing scratchy and blood is spurting out like you know like a hose that's attached to the billboard and I love that the married couple like blood just gets doused all over the bride they can look up and they all just start like they're like ha 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 like laughing at the billboard there's nothing more fun than getting drenched in fake blood I wouldn't know I guess I mean if you want a fun time Go see Evil Dead the musical and get yourself in the seats where you get soaked in fake blood. It's a freaking blast. <laughs> so, back at home. Or go to a Guar show. Guar will drench you in fake blood. Yeah, that's not a surprise. So, back at home, we have uh, Bart, who's once again not doing right. He's smashing mustard packets with a hammer. Homer gets mad and uh, is easily distracted by an ice cream man. Which we find is uh, Native American ice cream, formerly Big Chief Crazy Cone. I feel like that one speaks for itself, right? I mean, at least they had the good faith to be PC on like things like the Redskins. <laughs> Which are still the Washington Redskins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so while uh, uh, you know Homer's eating a uh, firecracker, uh, which is the red, white, and blue popsicles... Also known as Bomb Pops. Also a Bomb Pop, yes. It's uh, got a couple of names, depending on what company makes it, I believe. Uh, I believe Firecracker is Popsicle brand? Yeah, I believe Firecracker is Popsicle brand. Yeah, and then uh, uh, Bart's eating like what seems to be a fudgesicle. And, uh, I think Bomb Pop is Nestle, technically. I wouldn't be surprised. Nestle's the other big I think heavy that's, hitter with that's like uh, their ice cream. Independent, like, 
you get it in ice cream places like ice cream trucks and like ice cream yeah. vending machine kind of things. Okay. But they don't sell it by the box as Nestle. Which is kind of weird. You'd think they would unless they don't want that competition from, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, I, uh, I, uh, you know, Homer's like, what were we talking about again? And Bart's like, uh, we were talking about the time you beat jury duty. And he's like, oh, right. The trick is to say you're prejudiced against the whole races. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. I beat jury duty once. Yeah? Yeah. I was honest with the judge and I got off of jury duty. They, they did the little, is there any reason you shouldn't be on the jury for this? And I told the judge, honestly, i bored and I don't give a fuck who goes. I'm going to vote with the group. So I'm not going to pay attention. I'm just going to vote whatever they do so I can get out of here. And he said, all right, thanks for your honesty. You're free to go. <laughs> I got suckered into jury duty because I was honest. Yeah, I was just like, I don't care. I'm going to vote with the group so I can get out of here as quick as possible. And he's like, all right. <laughs> Ridiculous. So back at home, we have uh, Lisa and Marge come in. And Lisa has beets? Yeah, beets. It's kind of weird. They're nature's candy, don't you know? What is this, Doug podcast? Get out of here. I mean, we could go to Shroot Farms and get some beets. Oh, The Office. Right, that's probably the more relevant beet reference. We did the exact same thing in the last episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) The very last episode. Oh, yeah. It's weird that beets are brought up so much right now. Oh, yeah. That is weird. Huh. Uh, so Bart's ripping up the carpet though, and Homer's just sitting there watching TV, and uh, uh, and Marge is you know or like you know you should punish him, and Homer's like ah right, go to your room, and Bart's just like see the funny papers and just takes off and leaves through the back door, and I. Uh, She's like, you know, how could you let this happen? And Homer's like, how could you let this happen? And she's like, I wasn't here. And he's like, oh, how convenient. And we have a, a wonderful exchange that almost became my favorite quote. We have uh, uh, Marge who says, Homer, do you want your son to become a chief justice of the Supreme Court or a sleazy male stripper? Can he be both like the late Earl Warren? Earl Warren wasn't a stripper. Now who's being naive? And we once again have Homer bringing up old Chief Justices of the Supreme yeah. Court. Earl Warren served from 1953 to 1969. He was known for embodying equal justice and human rights. But Homer promises that next time he'll make the punishment stick. And so we have Ion Springfield. An episode of that pops in. And, uh, oh, uh, there's a man who's been hiccuping for 45 years. Kill me. Kill me. <laughs> Uh, and then Ken Brockman goes live to Korea. This is one of my favorite. Which jokes. one do you think it was? South Korea. I mean, probably, but it doesn't really look very pleasant with all the soldiers jamming bayonets into the animators. So apparently, mm-hmm. according to the writers for this, they yep. wrote this joke not thinking that it would actually get animated because the, their animation is done in Korea. And they did it anyway? And apparently they went above and beyond to make it darker than they expected. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So Ken Brockman says, he's like, you know, uh, the year was 1928, the year you might have seen Al Capone dancing the Charleston on top of a flagpole, which uh, all of those things did happen before 1928. Uh, Dancing on flagpoles was uh, like a uh, kind of like a, uh, a gag in like a movie 
an old time movie, I believe. Uh, Al Capone was around before then, and uh, uh, the Charleston was a type of dance back in the 1920s. What, what year did they say it was? 1928, which doesn't fit with the day the violence died episode, uh, because in that episode, uh, it would uh, uh, well because in this episode they said 1928 is when uh, that darn or that friendly cat or whatever aired and we see an episode of scratchy whistling and walking by and he said it you know did very poorly and then uh he says a year later he'd get paired up with a psychotic mouse named itchy and then we see steamboat itchy is released uh which should be 1929 but in the day that violence died they say it's 1928 when steamboat uh, uh itchy was aired. Steamboat Itchy should have aired in 1928 because Steamboat Willie, the first Mickey Mouse cartoon, aired in 1928. Which is a reference to that. November 18th, 1928. So, on if you have, I think, Disney Plus, you can actually watch Steamboat yeah, uh, Willie. Steamboat Willie's great. I love old Mickey Mouse cartoons. I really, I, yeah. I prefer Donald Duck. I'm more of a Donald Duck person. Oh, yeah. Same here. I do like when Donald Duck, Goofy, and Mickey Mouse team up. Yes, like in... um. The uh, Christmas ones they have, or Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yep. Uh, you also have even the little tiny goofy shorts, like the one where they're like driving down a mountain in a camper. Yeah, that's a great one. That's yeah. Th- there's just there's some really solid ones, and it, so if you have Disney Plus, uh, which if you're a big fan of The Simpsons, you might already anyway. Uh, definitely check out those old Mickey Mouse cartoons because they're solid. And if you don't have Disney Plus, go subscribe to Disney Plus today, oh, and Disney. then just say that we're the reference to them. Noise <laughs> Land Arcade, sponsor us, Disney, because we are. Pitching your product. Disney is not going to sponsor us. You know how many F-bombs we've already dropped? I barely drop any, and I know that they won't let me be on them. I'll be with them. Listen, if they're going to take fucking Deadpool, they'll take us, okay? Uh, that could be fucking true. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, I also love the, the, uh, the, the goofy when... Uh, 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 I don't know why I always get such a kick out of it, but when Itchy pulls Scratchy's head out of the the furnace and it's like scar, you know, like or uh, uh, scolded black and stuff, he's like, "Oh me, oh my!" <laughs> Just so goofy and weird. I <laughs> uh, also I uh, we have uh, uh, Maggie who is sitting on the couch and we notice that she takes off at this time. As Bart and Lisa are sitting on the couch watching, you know, uh, this special. And this is such a funny scene. <laughs> well, well, hold on. We'll get to that in a moment because Maggie takes off just to give us a little bit of insight. And then it cuts back to the news report. And we see that uh, uh, Itchy and Scratchy once teamed up to fight Hitler, which sounds kind of weird. But almost all the cartoon characters back in the day. Yeah. He fought Hitler. I think uh, uh, Donald Duck had an issue with Hitler. So Donald Ducks is actually one of my favorites. Donald Duck dreams he's in a dystopia where he is a Nazi, and he has to go through this horrible scenario, and then he wakes up and he's an American and he's super happy. Yep. It is a great cartoon. That one's good. Daffy Duck fights against uh, 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 duck versions of Hitler and like Mussolini uh, in an especially racist one. Uh, Bugs Bunny fights General Togo in the forces of Japan. Oh, yeah. That's that one's real racist. racist. <laughs> like all of them are arguably a little racist, but like the Japanese ones were real bad. They were real, real horrible. Uh, but I also appreciate in this that the style changes to Tom and Jerry. Yeah. I don't think Tom and Jerry ever fought Hitler. Tom and Jerry always fought Hitler. 
I mean, I think they would have given a chance, but like Tom and Jerry cartoons came out what the the like late forties, early fifties. I want to say Tom and Jerry was like the fifties, sixties. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was World War Two era, so it's interesting that they changed the animation to look like Tom and Jerry, but that wasn't really a thing then, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I uh, then nineteen forty. Oh, okay, 1940. All right, then there may have been. They could have fought Hitler. They could have fought Hitler. I don't know if they did. I don't think uh, Hannah and Barbera's characters battled Hitler very often. They were more goofy and comedic rather than, you know, kind of making a uh, kind of a, a point about, like, the, the world they were living in. So I don't know. I mean, Johnny Quest arguably would eventually fight Nazis. In fact, he did. Johnny Quest was freaking awesome. Yes, it was. But that's the only Hanna-Barbera cartoon I can think of that was, you know, like a, a little bit more action-y. I mean, arguably there's action to be had in. Yeah, because most know, of their stuff was like the sci-fi kind of action, like Space Ghost and the yeah. Galaxy Trio. Which, yeah, you had that line. I, I was originally thinking of like, you know, Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear stuff. But yeah, you had like the Galaxy Trio, Herculoids and stuff. But yeah, it was all fantasy stuff and sci-fi. wasn't really set in real life stuff. Arguably Birdman was, but even that was, you know, not, yeah, whatever. We're off track. Oh, no, no. Bird, Birdman is probably the closest we get because, like, X the Eliminator was kind of like the hate monger, essentially, from um, DC Comics. That's true. Or Marvel had... Comics. Mar- Marvel Comics was the hate monger. He was a Fantastic Four villain who was Hitler. You also had uh, uh, the organization of fear yeah. that he fought against, which was probably a little bit related to, like, you know, battling against, like, Nazis, like a sort of a, a uh, wrote kind of you know evil organization, but uh, Ken Brockman, however, uh, says that uh, they're gonna uh, talk about uh, next a real life itchy and scratchy, a rabid uh, like a rabid rat that devoured or killed a cat or something like that, which is just you know horrifying. Anywho, so I uh, Homer comes in and he's like. Where's Maggie? And he's like, oh, yeah, watching Maggie. That sounds like something you'd ask me to do. Where's Maggie? Marge finds Maggie, and she's riding down the road, and Maggie's going the other way because she's taking the car. So this is the only time I'm ever going to bring this up on the show, Mm -hmm. and you hate it so much. Yeah. But it makes me laugh so hard at this one scene. Uh Uh-huh. So there is a comic series online, and Uh it became a YouTube series where they take clips of old Simpsons shows oh, called Dark Simpsons. I hate these. And there's one where Maggie takes the car, and she crashes the car and dies. And I laugh every single time at Maggie crashing the car and dying. So I think of that every time I see this episode now. I hate you. I hate you tons. It's the only time I'm going to bring it up. I promise. Well, I don't know if that's a promise you can keep, but we'll it's see. It's not. <sighs> So Maggie drives down the road, smashes into the Springfield Correctional Institute, and uh, Snake comes out and he's like, all right, time for a crime spree. And uh, back at home, Homer is pissed. And he declares to Bart that he will never, ever see that movie and rips up his ticket to Itchy and Scratchy the movie. And outside we have Snake, who's like, oh, no, beta, looking at the beta player he stole. One of my favorite Snake lines. Which, of course, is the alternative to VHS that fizzled out and failed. Uh, but uh, Bart tries to offer up his butt for a spanking. He's like, 
go to town. And uh, Homer's like, don't point that thing at me. And I like that as soon as Lisa starts talking, Bart's expression is one of anger, and then he immediately softens up. She says, because Lisa argues that, yeah, he should be punished, but this is a defining moment of their generation and compares it to the moon landing. And, you know, we have Homer imagining like, or thinking about like what he was doing during the moon landing. And as Abe Simpson is tearing up at the, the notion that man has gone into space and into the sky and landed into the moon. Or a studio in California. That's enough out of you. Listen, we all know Stanley Kubrick was such a perfectionist that he set out to fake the moon landing, realized that in order to get it perfect, he'd have to actually send someone to the moon. We both know that that's the case. I mean, they told everybody about it in The Shining. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, we can't talk about The Shining. We'll be here for another three hours. I, I think people honestly think that I'm a weird conspiracy theorist <laughs> instead of just trying to piss you off, which I am. Yeah, that's actually the, the case. Uh, Homer at the time, though, was singing Yummy, 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 uh, which is by Ohio Express from 1968. Uh, but he says that the punishment stands. We see uh, a line of people. Do you want a list of uh, who's in that line? Yeah, shoot out some people. Milhouse, Martin, Todd, Flanders, Otto, Grandpa, Jasper, Lewis, and a poorly drawn Dave Shutton, Troy McClure, and Mr. Largo. Why is Grandpa in line? I thought he hated movies. Yeah, I don't know. Why is Ned Flanders and his son Todd in line? It's violent. He doesn't let the kids watch that. Maybe they're going to see a competing movie. That could be. Yeah, maybe he's going to see a different movie and just didn't realize. Flanders would be the kind of guy to stand in line, even though he's going to a different movie and doesn't have to stand in line. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, and at the very end, we have Wendell pop in. Uh, so, I, uh, oh, and I also like the drawbridge opening. The guy who's like, I regret nothing. I regret nothing. <laughs> One of my most used quotes ever. I. Uh, Homer, though, tells Bart that one day he's going to thank him for this. Not bloody likely. No, it's true. He's like, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted a catcher's mitt. So I held my breath until I banged my head on the coffee table. The doctor said I might have brain damage. Dad, what's the point of the story? I like stories. <laughs> and so uh, Homer tells him that, you know, he can watch anything he wants on TV. TV sucks. I know you're upset right now, so I'll pretend you didn't say that. And I love that Homer's defensive of TV. It might be that he used the phrase sucks, but I think it's that Homer's just defensive. Oh, it's the television. TV. A master craftsman can make three <laughs> mailboxes an hour. Bart doesn't need to watch this crap, though. He can uh, use his imagination. And he imagines Itchy and Scratchy standing there and kind of shrugging because they don't know what to do. <laughs> and Bart's like, oh. Lisa comes in, though, and she's wearing, like, you know, the shirt, the hat, and, you know, Bart's like, how was it? And she's like, ah, oh, it wasn't that great. Bart's like, be honest. And she's like, it was amazing. And apparently there were a couple of uh, uh, guest stars. Who were the guest stars? Well, we had Dustin Hoffman and Michael Jackson. They didn't, you know, use their real names or anything, but you could tell it was them, which is, of course, a reference to The Simpsons, Dustin Hoffman and Michael Jackson doing voices previously. So this is the first time they actually admitted that those were actually the voices for those characters. Oh, yeah. This would be the first time they publicly admit, well roundabout kind roundabout of way, way. yeah oh. publicly admitted it bart on the schoolyard though is reading a novelization of the movie and it's super thick and it's by norman mailer uh which i actually think i know the reference here yeah 
Norman Mailer was a novelist born in 1923. He wrote The Executioner Song. He also, in real life, stabbed his wife. Hmm. I think that's why they used his name for an itchy and scratchy movie. Oh, I could see that. Executioner Song. Stabbed his wife. Apparently, really, he did. I, 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 I didn't spend too much time researching this guy, but look into it. Uh, Milhouse saw the movie 13 times. Nelson saw it 17 times. You guys must be getting pretty tired of that movie by now. Nobody saw the movie would say that. Let's get him. I love that Milhouse is a bully <laughs> in that scene. I think Milhouse is is desperate for power. And so the moment he's offered it and siding with Nelson, he's going to take it because he's a wiener. And so at home, though, uh, it must be later in the day because Lisa's there. Uh, Homer's watching TV. Marge and Lisa stand in the way, and, he, and they're like, you know, Homer, we need to talk. And he's like, but then I won't be watching TV. You can see the problem I'm having. And uh, Lisa says that Bart has is she's very concerned. He has the demented melancholy of a Tennessee Williams heroine. Don't you think I know that? Uh, which uh, Tennessee Williams is the guy who uh, wrote A Streetcar Named Desire. Hence the reference to, you know, uh, heroines heroine. of his, yeah, having, uh, uh, you know, a bit of mental issues. Uh, you know, it's apparently by this point been two months. Uh, but Homer feels like that if he uh, uh, succeeds, he'll be a chief justice of the Supreme Court. But if he fails, the best he can hope for is to be the judge of a tight buns competition. Which, is that a competition you could be a judge at? I would assume so. Mm-hmm. All right. Bart, however, is going to try to sneak to the movies. He creeps up and he's like, one please. And the guy looks at the picture and says, Bart, do not sell to this boy. And he's like, sorry, we promised your dad we wouldn't. And I love that as Bart walks away, we see gray skies. It's just like dark and depressing. I love that that guy commits to that. They promised Homer they wouldn't and they do it. It's it, Yeah, I mean, definitely means a lot. If I was working a cheap theater job like that, I'd do it. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, most people wouldn't care, for sure, you know. Uh, Though, arguably, there might be, like, weird lawsuit issues if, like, you know, a parent then comes later and says, you let my child in, I told you not to. It just seems like a weird gray area and a legal matter that you wouldn't even want to be involved with. But uh, No, you you don't have responsibility over their kid. That's their own responsibility as a parent. That's their own fault. Oh, no, I think that's true, but I think that that's a lot of bad publicity. Which you as an employee doesn't care, but management would. No, they they would they would blow it off as they didn't know. I mean, he probably, but I, I still think that management would probably be like, yes, we will. The employees, that's another matter. But I think management would be apt to say, yes, we'll do that. But uh, Kent Brockman's doing a story at the Aztec Theater, and Itchy and Scratchy, the movie, is going away after what, like nine Academy after- Awards? Eight months and nine Academy Awards. So I wanted to speak about this because this is a very interesting fact here. Yeah, drop it on us real quick. So the movie landscape has actually changed in fairly recent years, which it doesn't seem like that. Oh, no, for sure. Movies used to stay in theaters for a long time, upwards of a year before they would come out on video. Yeah, that's How long insane. do you think that lasted? Out of curiosity. Well, because probably you, you don't watch a lot of movies. When no, did that stop? I would I would say probably, you know, around the time what we had like Netflix and and digital services and and uh like Blu-ray and DVD. So it it predates Netflix a little bit. It predates streaming Netflix. Mm-hmm. 
This started to change the practice when the international market started to open up around the time of 2010 when Avatar was released. Oh. Avatar stayed in theaters for about a year. However, it was completely bootlegged by people in China and then sold on the internet to people. Oh, so they lost a lot of money because they didn't jump on the... Correct. Uh, okay, I get it. So it is kind of DVD and, and uh, Blu-ray. But it, it was, was the international needed. markets that really changed the landscape for Interesting. all of this. The nine Academy Awards one is just interesting because no animated film has won that many awards, period. <laughs> Let alone been nominated for that many awards. I, I can't think of many that deserve nine Academy Awards. Beauty and the Beast is the only animated film, I believe, to be nominated for Best Picture. So it's very weird to think about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. No Ghibli films in there. No. That's depressing. Mm. I I don't think a Ghibli film has ever won an Academy Award. I thought uh, Spirited Away won once. Oh, you're right. Spirited Away won. You're right. Yeah, I think that's the only one that won. And don't be wrong, that's probably the, about the best of them. But the, no, no, The Wind Rises should have won. The Wind, wind Rises, Rises is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it, was, it was amazing. Oh, God, it makes me emotional thinking oh, about God. it. Oh, God, that movie makes me sad. It really, yeah. Go watch The Wind Rises. Stop listening to our <laughs> podcast right now. The Wind Rises is so good. So uh, uh, Ken Brockman, though, is talking about, you know, uh, the next movie, uh, which will uh, star Mickey Rourke and Liza Minnelli. And I don't think there's been a movie where they're together. There's not a movie with them together. I looked it up. Uh, coincidentally, Mickey Rourke is in my favorite movie of all time. Oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? Angel Heart. Yeah, he's the main character. God, love it. Back anyway. when Mickey Rourke was like super hot and not super grizzled. Yeah, he he had kind of a weird little change. Yeah, but this isn't a Mickey Rourke podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> Homer, I uh, I uh, you know is talking with Bart and and Bart's like you won. He's like you did it, and he's like no, we did it. He's like you don't know it, but I set you down on a great path, and we see forty years later, and to me this is canon. Like any other future uh, events of the Simpsons have been like dreams of Lisa or whatever. But this one is declared to be 40 years later. So. Which would be 2032. We're closer to the 40 years later than we are. The actual episode. Uh, so I want to bring this up actually because in a recent fan fiction season of the Simpsons, I showed you this on YouTube. You did indeed. They have referenced this scene. Yeah, the, the Bart is a chief justice of the Supreme Court, and him and his dad are walking down the road. And I, what I think I love the most about this is the fact that they have a decent relationship down the future. Uh, maybe not the best, but a decent relationship. And uh, Itchy and Scratchy, the movie, is being aired with Beauty and the Beast as like, you know, uh, uh, like animated. Animated classics. Yeah. And uh, we also see uh, an ad for Glexnor. The hell's Glexnor? I don't know, but in 2032, we're gonna love it. And so, uh, Bart goes to buy the tickets, and Homer's like, No, no, I've got it, son. And it, it looks like the same movie guy it as does. before. And in the background, you can almost see a picture that almost looks like the do not sell to this boy picture. Uh, if if you didn't catch that, make sure to go back to that scene. It looks a lot like it. Uh, but he, the guy's like, it'll be $650, which it's funny because I always complain about how expensive movies have gotten. And so to me, it's just like, oh, yeah, it'll totally be 650 by the time it's 2032. The average ticket price is currently 1250 Bullshit. That is the average ticket price. You can typically get them cheaper, but that's the average nationwide price. Bullshit. 
In my day, they... Oh, God, I'm old. Oh, but uh, we also see a Space Mutants poster in the background, so they're still making Space Mutants uh, movies, or they're showing classics. And uh, in the background, for a brief second, as Homer gets the, like, he's talking with the ticket guy, we see another ad for Glexnors, and it says Glexnors for less. Ooh. And as Homer goes to the theater, uh, we have a guy buying Soylent Green, and Homer's like, hmm, Soylent Green. Which, Sean, I'm sure you want to lay the reference down on everyone. Soylent Green is a reference to um, the Charlton Heston film Soylent Green, where it's a dystopian future where they, I'm going to spoil it, but it's what's known as a known spoiler. So a known spoiler in the movie culture is something that everyone knows because it has been parodied to death. The no, I am your father with Darth Vader. Soylent Green is people. Soylent Green is people. The Statue of Liberty in Planet of the Apes are known as to known have spoilers. To have you all to hell. <clears throat> in oh, fact, sorry. I just named three of those, and I think Craig has only seen Star Wars. I don't think he's seen the other two. Oh, no, I've seen Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay, so you got two out of three. Uh, I have uh, don't think I... Oh, you know what? I think I saw Soylent Green in, like, high school. Oh, I could see that. In, like, the sci-fi class yeah. or whatever I had? Yeah, I think I did, actually. It's hell, yeah. It's been a long time, so I've seen those movies. But yeah, those are what are known as known spoilers. And so in the theater, we have uh, uh, Homer and, and Bart sit down. And I love this stupid train gag on the Itchy and Scratchy. Like, we haven't, we don't usually talk a ton about the Itchy and Scratchy, like, episodes that are on. It's usually just briefly. No, but the whole episode builds to seeing this movie. This is like the ending climax, and I love it. And it's great because it's just Itchy trying to get into a train to hit Scratchy with it, who he's tied to a railroad track. And the guy's like, get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> and so Itchy then has to run and do, like, go to train school, essentially, graduate, come back. And by that time, Scratchy's almost removed all of the uh, bindings, and then he gets hit with a train. And uh, I like that Homer's like, which one's the mouse? And he's and Bart's like, Itchy. He's like, Itchy's a jerk. <laughs> he sure is, Dad. He sure is. Bart throws his hand around uh, his dad's shoulder. They laugh. And that's the end of the episode. That is the best ending to an episode. I cannot think of a better ending to an episode <sighs> than that ending. You know what? Uh, there, there are some, because I feel like there's a few even coming up that are pretty solid as they end. Uh, but yeah. I love Lisa's my favorite episode, and it's got a great ending that's just a funny gag, but this one is just a wholesome but funny ending. Yeah, I like this one a lot. So, Sean, what about the lasting impact of this episode? I like that it gives us a glimpse into the future. It's the first time we get a real glimpse into the future. Yeah, we do have that. It's, uh, uh, you know, we see Bart becomes a chief justice of the Supreme Court somehow. And uh, the other thing I wanted to just touch on briefly is that it's a very childhood-focused episode. It really it's, is. You know, it's it's more about Bart not only being kind of like a little hellraiser, but, you know, suffering the consequences of said hellraising. You know, and the fact that his father actually sticks to his guns and keeps the, the punishment to stand is kind of interesting because, I mean, you know, I, I we make a lot of jokes about my, my mom and stuff. Uh, but, I mean, that's one thing is she did. She stuck to punishments when I deserved them and, you know, was fair otherwise. So. Oh, I was the boy you love to hate. I would trick people into <laughs> thinking they punished me when they didn't punish me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so, Sean, what is your favorite quote of the episode? <laughs> okay, I have to set the scene, because if I don't set the scene, it's not as funny. Mm -hmm. So, Homer walks in on Bart, and they're basically, they're, is their living room? or I, I think it's the living room, because it's by the piano. Uh, yeah, it'd be the living room. So, he's in the living room, 
And Bart is sitting on the floor with a hammer, smashing mustard packets, just smashing them open, going, jingle bells, jingle bells. And Homer walks in. He's like, Bart, why are you doing that? Oh. I laugh at that scene every freaking time it comes on. Oh, God, it's so good. My favorite scene uh, and, and series of quotes is the conversation that the family has uh, about getting bringing back food. Uh, Marge says, we'll bring back dinner. And uh, uh, Lisa's like, what are we going to have? Homer's like, well, that depends on what your teachers say. If you've been good, pizza. If you've been bad, uh, let's see, poison. And Bart's like, what if one of us has been good and one of us has been bad? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Lisa says that. And then Bart goes, poison pizza. And Homer goes, oh, no, I'm not making two stops. 